Welcome to the Stronger Than Autoimmune podcast. I'm your host, Desiree Worland. As an autoimmune warrior myself, I understand that day-to-day, even moment-to-moment, living with autoimmunity isn't easy. You're not alone. This podcast is to give hope to living with an autoimmune disease. I will interview individuals living with autoimmune disease along with experts and businesses to help provide knowledge and hope. Before I introduce my next guest, here is an ad that made this podcast possible. Today, I'm interviewing Allison Ray Girasi. She is an international yoga teacher who specializes in prop variation, pose groundwork, and variations for accessibility. Allison is a featured writer for Yoga International, Yoga U Online, and has led multiple yoga trainings for various studios, online platforms, and leads her own series of continuing education for yoga teachers. I brought her on the show to get her expertise on how autoimmune warriors can benefit and enjoy yoga with the variations. So let's get started. I appreciate your time and taking time of your day to join me on Stronger Than Autoimmune. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. You have been doing yoga for quite some time. And if you don't mind explaining what certifications you have and what you do exactly in your your terms. Yeah. So I am a 500 hour experienced registered yoga teacher. That's sort of the nomenclature for uh, some of our, our certifications. And I have more certifications in anatomy and prenatal yoga. Um joint mobility, so functional range conditioning, third degree black belt. So I'm definitely into the, the all, all things movement. Right? <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah. yeah. And what was the other question? I'm sorry. Oh, as far as what exactly you do, because I know you have a special um, yoga way of teaching and it's all about props, but I'm sure you'd explain it a little bit better. Yeah. So yoga is a really interesting field because it's so wide. So what I do is I break things down so that they're digestible, both for our mind and for our body. And then I start to layer upon that. And that layering process tends to incorporate a lot of props. And so for listeners that aren't quite familiar with props, right, they would be like a foam block or a wood block or cork one, a bolster, which is like a big pillow, blankets, straps. So using all of these tools for either desired effects or skill building, whatever is sort of the theme or the goal of whatever it is that I'm trying to teach. So it is a combination of all kinds of different things, but it's not unique. I would love to say it's unique. Maybe it is, maybe my perspective is unique and my philosophy about things are unique, but a lot of the prop usage does come from a different style of yoga called Iyengar yoga. And so that is really where he developed all of these different props for usage and incorporated them into the yoga practice. Um, and then teachers have been building upon that 
ever since. Gotcha. Gotcha. So from my understanding, you're taking something that's already been out there. I've I've never seen that other yoga teacher before. You, I really connect with you. You make it seem very not intimidating because yoga could be very intimidating and coming from the autoimmune fibromyalgia world or that I live in, I used to kind of dabble in yoga, but since then my joints hurt, you know, I can't do yoga the way I used to. I just get really, I'm either fatigued or my joints hurt. (laughs) And so that's why I brought you on the show, because I know you can really explain how people can get some movement in and be active, but do it on their own terms using what have you. So, but let's kind of go backwards and talk about you. What got you, since you have all this, all these certifications and movement, what got you interested in yoga itself? Yeah. So I've always been a mover. I think that is really where everything started. So I was a gymnast when I was younger, not a good one. So I know people are like, oh, well, that's obvious, you know? Um, And so then it morphed into martial arts. And so I was a huge martial artist for a long period, maybe 15 years of my life. So that was really like my love. And then I got into yoga more so by chance, kind of it was the buzz. Everybody was doing yoga. So like, all right, let's, let's do that. And um, I just fell in love with it because it has so many interconnections with the movement background that I have with martial arts. There were things that um, I was listening to in philosophy lectures in yoga that I felt that I had connected with, but never had a name for in my martial arts practice. So I was like, that is fascinating. And so they really helped to bridge the body and the mind and the spirit in a way that I hadn't experienced previously. Um, And then ever since that, I also think the novelty of it. So when we think of why we fell in love with things, it's easy to fall in love with something new. Right? Mm-hmm. Even Absolutely. Thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> but what keeps you there? And that I think is the, the stronger question because after the novelty of yoga is done, even in the body, right? The novelty of the body, like, oh, I feel so good after yoga. And then you practice it for five years and you're like, why don't I feel as good as when I started? You know, I thought yoga was what made me feel better and the body just needs different input. Right. And so when I look at my trajectory, you know, I ran my course with with gymnastics. I ran my course with martial arts. Um, That's not entirely true, but for the most part, things start to become automatic. So those changes don't necessarily um, happen as much. And then the brain starts to act differently because it becomes more automatic. Yeah, that muscle memory that people talk about. Yeah. And so... um, I needed a different input. And I think yoga was that different input that then started like, oh, I have to think again. I have to get more engaged in, in the movements that I'm doing. And so I think that eventually ran its course. And now by incorporating more props and different props, right? So then 
the ones that I had explained before are probably like your standard ones. And then I added chairs in and then resistance bands and whatever I could get my hands onto. And then each time I would add something in, it would be like starting all over again. So you fall back in love with the same thing and you create that novel experience, even though it's something very familiar. Yeah. It sounds like incorporating creativity is very much part of, of the art that you bring into yoga and I would props. Like to be the Madonna of yoga in a sense. <laughs> Just that constant, right? That constant um, recreation of, of self or, or the fit unit that you're doing. So it's very much in line with that. So long as you can be you and recreate in new stages of life, because as we're growing and evolving, things are changing. So we either mm -hmm. adapt or we don't. Yeah, no, I like, I like how you said Madonna, because she's, <laughs> she's a master at that. If anything, yes. Mm -hmm. So if you don't mind also getting into what exactly, because you said the novelty of it, but what really, other than the spirit and mind connection, what do you love about what, what makes you continue it on an everyday basis? Yeah. Um, I don't know if this sounds hokey, but I do, I do really feel like it's life. Everything that I experience in life, I'm like, oh, that's yoga. Oh, that's yoga. <laughs> and so it's just, I have a very playful, and so now I'm trying to be careful with my words. I don't know if I'm, if it's playful to me or my playfulness reflects on that. And it allows me to be more of me, right? Like yoga allows me to be more of whoever I am in this world to expand. Yeah, um, yeah so I just see the two so interconnected that they are one in the same. So when I go for a walk, I can see yoga all around me. When I practice yoga, I can feel those elements all around me. Um, you know, when things get hard, I don't feel like I'm falling on a hard surface and don't have support, right? Like all, all of those teachings are so visible and so present and available to me that it, I guess it brings a level of comfort that I don't really experience with other modalities of movement or philosophies of life. Yeah. Well, thank you for explaining and sharing that. It sounds like you really found, like you said, that modality that speaks to you or, or you have a good communication with. <laughs> so what are the benefits of yoga? I mean, for people that don't have a chronic illness to people that are, are healthy. Yeah. So, you know, I think that the benefits are There are so many benefits, but at the same time, I always try to be very careful because sometimes yoga can be lumped into sort of this um, like cure-all. So it can be wonderful for stress relief, right? But given the circumstances of where you're doing it and who you're doing with and for how long you're doing it with, it might not have that effect. Right. So, right. Does it improve mobility? Yes. Does it improve strength? Yes. Does it do all of these things that we expect yoga to do with the mind and the body and the spirit? Yes. Um, but it also just has to have a little tail 
of caution. So I think if somebody is looking to improve their quality of life on whatever level, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, um, mental, right, that yoga can be beneficial, but it also needs to have a realistic quality to it because it's not the whole thing. It's just a part of, you know, our healing process or what we're looking to get out of it. Right. And and thank you for explaining that because I think there's no modality. There's no way, no one lifestyle change that you can do to automatically feel better. It's a combination of things. So it's not just exercise. It's not just nutrition. It's not um, stress management. It's really taking all those things and modifying them to what works for you. Because like you said, you may be stressed out doing yoga and well, that's not helpful. Right? <laughs> that was going to help me. It didn't. Yeah. So it's, it's really modifying what works for you and your body and, and tailoring it. Thank you for explaining that. I like the saying like, you know, to raise a child, it takes a village, but I think just for our own health, it takes a village of all different inputs and, and, um, resources to, to feel healthy or to get the health benefits that we're looking for. Yeah. And, and self-awareness, I think too. Yeah, absolutely. What got you started with props? I know you said that you kind of got, you wanted a more of a challenge. So what initiated that first start of, let me try this. Let me bring you that chair in. Yeah. Um, so I think props were always there. I think a common misconception with yoga might be that props are in addition to, and it really depends on where you start. So you might get a recommendation from a doctor saying, Hey, yoga would be really good for you. So you're like, great, I'm going to do yoga. So you go to a yoga studio and you're like, I would need to do yoga but what kind of yoga are you doing? And that goes back to, right? Is it supposed to help you relieve stress? Yes. But then you end up going to this super duper level two, three advanced power yoga in like 180 <laughs> degrees, right? Probably not the best stress reliever, maybe, but probably not. Um, so with props, I tend to think of them as like any other um, thing that you would do in life, right? So if I... If I play basketball, I'm probably going to use a basketball, right? If I am a painter, I'm probably going to use paint. If I'm an electrician, I'm probably going to use wires. And so with yoga, it's kind of the same idea. If I'm practicing yoga, I'm probably going to use props. And then, like you were saying, how did I get more involved in sort of like adding things? And I think it was a combination of you know, teachers that I had who were doing that, right? So I, I would, I'm not an Iyengar teacher, but I've practiced a lot with Iyengar teachers or teachers who were formerly Iyengar teachers. And um, so sort of that inspiration, understanding my body and like, so Iyengar was 
And I don't actually know. I don't know how tall he was, but in his book, he looks like he's six feet tall. I'm five feet tall, right? The <laughs> slender man. I am built like a linebacker. So there are physical, visual differences between our bodies. So <laughs> when I look at him practicing, I'm like, hmm, don't think that's going to work for me. Mm-hmm. So understanding that, you know, it's not about how the body looks, but what is it that I want to do and how can I do it? And the props are kind of, are the, that road or bridge in between. There are the things that say like, oh, uh, what if you put this underneath your hand? Does that make the floor higher? Yeah. When it makes the floor higher, it gives me something to push into, which might create a different effect in my body. Whereas that might be different if I just let my hands swing in the air, which isn't bad. It's just different. And so that's kind of the evolution and teaching. So then seeing my students and students with different bodies and abilities and being like, well, that didn't work. And you're telling me it doesn't work. So let's figure out what works, right? So there's always this, like, I don't care so much for the, I can't do X. All I care about is like, what if we try this? What if we do this? And at the end of the day, it's really not that important what the end result is, but it's what is the experience like? What is the journey like? What are, um, you know, what is this experience that's happening? And that to me is just so special and like fun because if I could do everything in yoga, yoga wouldn't be fun. (laughs) right like there would be no point of doing it yeah you like that challenge and thank you for explaining because I was that was going to be my next question was how do you know if it's working for you like if you're doing a certain pose let's say downward dog and it just doesn't I mean how do you translate it how do you know if you're doing it right or how do you know if you need a prop or you know, is it just following videos that you share that this is what's supposed to look like? I mean, with yoga, you can't really see unless you're doing it in the mirror. <laughs> but I guess, can you explain that part a little bit more? Yeah, that's actually a really, really hard question to answer, but I'm going to try my best. Okay. <laughs> the reason why I say that is because we are, as a society, as a culture, we are very fixated on what is right. Mm. right and so is there a right I don't know so the way that I think about it is what is the effect or the quality so if you are in downward facing dog which your hands are on the floor the balls of your feet are on the floor and your hips are in the air for people that are unfamiliar with that pose but it's a pretty standard you're probably going to encounter that if you've done yoga and so that's the general shape So we could say, is your body in that general shape? Yes. If it's yes, then yeah, it's right. Okay. Other teachers might not think that way. And it might be more, your hands need to be uh, shoulders with distance apart. Your feet need to be hip bone distance apart. Your sitting bones need to be elevated. You know, and so there's a little bit more finesse. And that I would say is maybe an ideal or a skill-based type of approach, an alignment-based approach. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily translate to safe or right or even effective. Mm-hmm. So 
if I think about quality, if you're in that shape and you say, but Allison, my wrist really hurt. This doesn't work for me. Then I say, okay, then you're going to try downward facing dog um, using a chair. Put your hands on a chair and you create that same general shape. So now you're more like an L shape because your hands are elevated. How does that work? That feels really good in my body. Good. We're good to go. You know, like maybe that's your version. Yeah. Um, if the backs of my legs are really like, it's really intense for the backs of my legs. Okay. Then bend your knees. But I'm, and that's where that thought process of right comes in. It's like, but if I bend my knees, I don't look like this shape. I don't look like the people on Instagram. Therefore it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's not. And that, so I like to go by, if you want to think of a right or a wrong, that it's by the quality and the effect that you want. So if you're in this pose and you want ease in that pose, what are the things that we can do to create ease? Got you. Yeah. So it's, it's the felt experience and not creating stress on the body, but enjoyment. Yeah. And it could be creating stress on the body. Good stress, not bad stress. Um, And sometimes bad stress because that, helps us to acknowledge what good stress is. But for the most part, really, yeah, that felt experience and whatever that that goal is. So if it's feeling specific, if it's, um, you know, if it is an aesthetic, right, we might want to work aesthetic, then that can be a goal too. But I, I really feel like that the essence and the usage of props is what do I want to feel? Because I can use props to make me feel lighter, right? We use resistance bands and you feel springier, right? It's like qualities that you might not think of, but um, that's my, that might be the goal, right? I want to feel more grounded. I'm in my head all the time. How do I feel like my feet are on the ground? And I think that that is significantly more impactful for us than the outer exterior shape, right versus wrong. Because if I know that at any moment I can create an experience of feeling grounded in my body, that I think is really impactful for that meeting that I have to go into or for that doctor's appointment that I'm going to or waiting for results that take me to some other place that I don't want to be. And the fact that I can, I know that I am capable of creating that all on my own, that is... That is an amazing skill. <laughs> that is. No, it, it, it's very, going back to what we were saying about health. If, if you can create or know that some go uh, have a go-to that makes you feel better, why not do that? Yeah. Yeah. And what is expected when someone first starts yoga? Yeah, nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. You know, openness to trying something new. You know, I think a lot of times I'll hear, but I'm not flexible enough. I'm not this enough, right? And it's like, you, you don't come to yoga to already be the thing that you're searching to be, right? So it's like, if I feel bad in my body, I'm not going to yoga because I should already feel good in my body. Right? We're probably looking for a new experience. So I think when we get all into our head about what I need, like 
if anything, there should be more expectation on the teacher than the student. So when I walk into a classroom, is my teacher or is the teacher available to talk to me, to listen to me, to not for like, you know, 30 minutes, but you know, <laughs> not for therapy. Right. Exactly. You know, like there's a, Hey, you know, sometimes I have this issue when, or like, I don't feel flexible enough. Hey, don't worry about it. Like we have tools that can help us, you know, feel com more comfortable in our body or support our body. Great. You know, what's your name? So that there's an engagement in a dialogue. Um, is it somebody that can, that can help me in what I'm specifically looking for? And I think the more honest a teacher is, the more you'll know whether you want to be in that classroom or not, right? So if you're looking, I'm looking for therapeutic release, you know, I, I have fatigue, my joints hurt. I'm going to a power yoga class. I don't know what that means. I'm going to an Ashanga yoga class, right? So I really don't know what that means. Is this right for me? And if the teacher says yes, then that's probably not a good fit because that's probably not a good style to begin with. Yeah, and thank you for sharing that. It, so it sounds like really having a conversation, if you first start yoga, talk to the teacher, let them know why you were even there in the first place. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, and sometimes like I think that there's, you know, there's a difficulty sometimes in yoga world where like you are teaching a general class, so you might not be able to be so hands-on or not necessarily hands-on with actual hands, but like um, communicating every variation that every person should do to individualize the practice for their body. However, I think sort of an overarching theme of like doing what's right for your body or asking questions if you're not sure, like that can bring a, a certain sense of depth to a practice. But teachers may not be able to individualize. And so at the same rate, we can't also expect teachers to um, kind of answer all, all of our questions about our individual specific needs within that context. But I think really quickly, you get a feel of like, there's a one size fits all in this class, or there's the opportunity to be unique and different in this class. And I think that as a student is something that we should be searching for, that I can be unique. And that even if we're learning something specific, that I know I have the freedom to not do it that way. And that's okay. And that the teacher isn't going to like come over and be like, but I said, you're doing this. Why aren't you doing this? Right. Do this. <laughs> yes. Thank you. And I know I talked at the beginning about autoimmune mm -hmm. and I, I know you, we kind of talked about the benefits of yoga, but what are some benefits somebody with chronic illness can expect from yoga yeah, and so using I, props like your class? Yeah, um, you know, and I'm not an expert in this by any means. There are definitely teachers that are more qualified to answer this question, but I think that with autoimmune disease and, and yoga, that there are a lot of like psychosomatic benefits so this reduction in pain right sometimes there's pain but it's almost like our body reacting and anticipating pain rather than the actual pain and so like it helps to 
um, relieve sort of those pain receptors and let them say like, oh no, it's okay. So a calming of the nervous system, um, you know, joint mobility and movement, bringing movement back into the body. And I think more specifically, at least in my domain, is this idea of bringing joy back into movement because I feel like we we stop moving, we're told to stop moving or we're told to move, but then it hurts to move. So then there's this huge conflict. conflict yeah. right? And you're like, but the thing that's supposed to be working for me is really not. And especially like as movers. So, you know, um, people that have difficulty when their life expression is movement, but now we're caught in sort of this system. And so it's like, how can I give you back some of that joy? Mm. And like that, I think is huge because we're constantly told what not to do, or it's this um, sweeping, well, you can't do that anymore. Mm. And so now you're not just grieving what your body is going through or your diagnosis, but you're grieving perhaps a huge part of who you are. And that is, I, I feel very destructive and doesn't have to be that way. Simply what we love and what we enjoy needs to shift and adapt, but we can still do what we love just in a different way. And I think that's where props can, can help with that. Thank you. Thank you for... Uh, you really spoke to my heart when you said that because I, I was a runner and uh, do lift weights and hit and you know so many different things but my I really had to change my what I did my movement because it wasn't serving me it would make me feel worse so I I, I really believe in trying to find at that balance of what what serves you yeah but it's also kind of like what you said, you know, that anticipation that's going to hurt, you know, what, what does your body really feel? And I think that self-awareness of, does it really hurt because I'm anticipating it or does it hurt because I'm really in pain mm -hmm. or is it something new? So um, you just explained that so beautifully. Thank you. And what, with someone with autoimmune, where do you, and chronic fatigue, where do you recommend they start? Yeah. And again, that's going to be tricky because general classes could be wonderful and not so much. So I would say beginning, perhaps restorative yoga can be a really nice place where it's a very restful class. And this is generally speaking because different teachers might have different um, styles within overarching styles, right? So there might be more of an active warm up, and then they restore the body using a lot of props. Sometimes it purely is basically lying down in a on a pillow in different shapes, right? And so that can be really nice. Sometimes it's a gentle yoga class. It could be labeled as a gentle yoga class and it could turn into something different. So I, you know, and, and it's, it's, 
heartbreaking to almost have to describe uh, the profession that I am in those those terms. So I would say as a student, um, really holding on to your agency and walking into a yoga class, you know, maybe starting with gentle, starting with foundational or restorative yoga, maybe even yin yoga, and then saying, okay, this works for me or this doesn't work for me, even within the class, even within the pose. And when it doesn't work, to feel totally free to not do it. Yeah. I give you permission to <laughs> in all classes. Like some woman that I listened to on a podcast said I didn't have to do it. And she's a yoga teacher. No. Um, <laughs> you, you know, so it's like so that you're not going into it in into a class and then being polite and having an awful experience for yourself. Right. And so that can look like different things. It could be just lying down in class. And then maybe the teacher comes over and is like, hey, is everything okay? And you're like, this really hurts. And then maybe they put you in a restorative pose and you're like, wow, thank you so much. Like I could just lie here for the rest of the class. And that is fine, you know, and that should be fine when people are, are in classes. So having agency as you walk into a class, looking, really reading descriptions, not just going to yoga to go to yoga, but seeing what the class is actually like. Um, if you have teacher friends to talk to, yoga teachers, maybe they have recommendations as to, because there are even classes or workshops that are specifically for autoimmune diseases or specific ones, right? For um, arthritis or for fibromyalgia. Um, but I would start with um, like a restorative yoga. That would probably be my best advice. Oh, thank you. Thank you for naming these different types of yoga. So when people are interested, they know what to look for. And then also, like you said, communicating with your yoga teacher and making sure that they're open to modifications and props. And it sounds like props are really helpful. Um, and how would that intertwine with how you use them with someone with a chronic illness? Okay. Yeah, I think it's going to be different because we're going to step into a practice feeling different and being different. And so the more variations that I can teach people, the more autonomous I think that they can be in their movement so that if I am teaching a pose, they know, you know what, today I don't feel like that, but I know that previously Allison has taught this, so I'm gonna do this. And the fact that like I try to make it very, um, like you do you because there can be sort of that dynamic when a teacher is there to do what the teacher says to do. <laughs> like, just don't listen to me. You can, but you don't have to. Mm -hmm. and, I'm, and that's the thing. It's like, I'm not impressed by, by you doing more. I don't care. You know? And I will tell students that, and I will say, I'm not being mean. I just don't care about that because I want them to say like, oh, okay. So if I'm not doing it for her, who am I doing it for? I guess mm -hmm. I'm doing it for me. And if I'm doing it for me, this is what I need even though it conflicts with what she's saying. And so to have that space and that opportunity to be able to do that, I think is wonderful. So that I think is where props fit in, right? You can use support when you need more support, use less support when you need less support. So I, again, I feel like with autoimmune disease, uh, sometimes we get boxed into 
I can only do restorative yoga. And I don't think that's true. Yeah, you know? thank you for sharing that also. <laughs> yeah, right, we can do all kinds of things. So what, like how you walk in at that particular day and moment and seeing what you wanna do and can do and feel like doing and feel like not doing, all of those are going to be factors. Yeah, yeah. So it is just sitting in your body, seeing what works. And because it is, you're totally right. Some days I have enough energy and I could do certain things, but the next day I, I could barely get out of bed. It, it depends. So I think really having a slew of options instead of saying, oh, I can't do it at all, or it's all or nothing. There's, there's different things you can do. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it sounds like you do that with a lot of your um, classes is really trying to figure out those different props. Can you name some that you enjoy working with? Some of the props that I enjoy mm -hmm. working with? Uh, yeah, so I would say the chair. The chair is probably one of my, my favorites. Um, I love the wall. I think the wall is like the most underutilized and underrated uh, prop that one could use, right? So you could use it restoratively, you could use it actively. I, there's just so many variations that you can use with the wall. A windowsill as well, that can be another interesting prop to use. Um, bolsters, I love bolsters. I love them all. You know, there's no, there's no paper <laughs> child, but I mean, I guess if there were, it might be, it might be a chair. Thank you. And what is the biggest change? And this is, it doesn't have to be people that are ill, but what's the biggest change you've seen someone have in working with you or yoga? Yeah, they're happier. They're more joyful in movement that um, like just that moment where they do something and they realize that they did it. Oh, I'm getting emotional. I didn't realize that, <laughs> but like just that, that moment where it's like for so many days, months, years, I've been told no. And now look at what I'm doing. And it's a yes. And like, that is so profound and powerful. Um, so being able to be, you know, a minute portion of someone's process of finding freedom and joy and movement again is, you know, what I see and I think what they feel and, and I just feel very honored to be part of, part of that. Mm, yeah. Part of their journey. Yeah. And what are your takeaways you want the audience to understand from this conversation? Yeah, that, you know, yoga is so many things to so many people. And it's not, I think we talked a lot about the physical and that's what we, we see, right? But that there's also just a huge philosophy, which I think we, we definitely talked about <laughs> without necessarily um, pointing it out. But that yoga isn't just the physical and you can 
that's where that, that life cycle comes in, right? So seeing everything in life and feeling that philosophy. And so like that carries with you. It's not just about the physical practice. So when we get bummed out, like I can't do this today, or, you know, I did this and then it hurt. Um, but that we have a philosophy behind it too, that we can practice and that we can incorporate and that we can, um, use on ourselves like this is going to be harming i want to experience what non-harming is oh. right so there's that layered into it and really you know if you've done yoga before and had a poor experience with it to well if you made it this far in the podcast <laughs> i hope you have some interest in yoga right um, but you know, like that inkling, like, yeah, I would, I would like to try it again to, to do that, right. To continue to explore and knowing that one poor experience or maybe one class that didn't fit your needs or a teacher that didn't fit your needs, that there's more out there. And so to continue exploring until you find that your needs are met and not to necessarily also like sacrifice and if you're feeling like, oh, I've been doing yoga, but it has been hurting or I feel depleted the next day after doing it, even though it makes me feel good in the moment, right? There might be that residual, like I do too much in yoga, even though it feels good the next day I pay for it. So it's like, maybe there's more exploring to do. Maybe there are different styles out there. Maybe there are different things. And I think that's why I like online yoga so much because it's um, a little bit more private in the fact that you can do it on your own time. The classes don't need to be an hour, an hour and a half long. So when you feel good, instead of doing an hour long class of you feeling really good and doing it, and then the next day maybe paying for that, it's like do a 20 minute class that lets you feel really good and, and move a lot. And then you don't necessarily have to pay for it. So it's like being able to have those different times. And I feel like online yoga really helps that um, sort of like that market in the sense to be able to to experience but not necessarily have to overdo it or be in a public setting and then say like okay well I could only do 20 minutes so now <laughs> I'm gonna lie on the floor for the next 40 so you know yeah it, it, it allows freedom modification and forgiveness and acceptance for yourself yeah. Doing it, doing you, you doing yeah, you, you do you. Know? you. <laughs> and how can people find you and work with you, Allison? So people can find me on Instagram. I'm at Allison Ray Girassi. Um, and then I also have an online yoga studio called the ARJ Yoga Hub. And I have a bunch of classes on there, live classes, and then also pre-recorded classes and I have a bunch of articles all over. So I'm around and <laughs> the resources are there. I think there's going to be links in, in the notes, right? So absolutely. You can find me in the notes below. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I hope you learned how yoga can be done on your terms. If you're interested in the different props and variations, please visit Alison Ray Jirasi's websites and social links below. 
Thank you for listening. The best way to show support is to leave a podcast review. Not only do they help promote this show, but they give other potential listeners an idea of what this show is all about. And also share the episode with an autoimmune warrior so they too can have hope and be stronger than autoimmune. Until next time, take care.